Who are the Mountain Meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice five days a week with your hosts, Russell Wilcox and Ben Shank. Welcome to Mountain Meister. This is Ben. Hey, it's Russell. Jeff Weedman is a veteran in the outdoors industry. After spending many years doing retail, wholesale, and representative work, he purchased Rutabaga Paddle Sports, the nation's largest retailer of canoes and kayaks. Jeff now volunteers on the board of Big City Mountaineers, a nonprofit dedicated to enhancing the lives of urban teens through outdoor experiences. Jeff has spent over 100 days in the field with under-resourced teens in this program. So Jeff, you've been a well-respected member of the outdoor industry for quite some time. How did you get started as a kid in the outdoors? Well, my first job in high school was with a uh, uh, little backpacking shop. It was a summer job, and uh, I went to work there and... uh, had a really bad boss, <laughs> <laughs> but I really liked I really liked the industry, and uh, I went from there to to get a job that fall as a ski instructor for another shop, and uh, they ended up hiring me on full time. And it was really interesting. They were a JanSport dealer, which at the time JanSport was uh, the kingpin of outdoor gear. This is before the North Face or anybody else was around. And uh, I went to a dealer seminar that was put on by Lou Whitaker of uh, Rainier Mountain Guides, and uh, Lou spoke about uh, climbs he had done and about Jansport product. And I was enthralled with the whole thing. And in fact, I went back to the shop and I bought a tent and a bag and a pack. And I, I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. I, I I just bought the gear and uh, I did my first canoe trip up in Boundary Waters. And I went up for a week and, and that was my start. You've also worked at a ton of places and been a sales rep for a while. What sort of business ventures have you gotten yourself into? Well, I've uh, I've been in three different sales agencies. The last one was a big one and uh, represented uh, some of the biggest companies in the industry from top to bottom. It was uh, JanSport, Yakima Racks, Cascade Designs, which included uh, Thermarest, Mountain Safety Research, uh, Sweetwater, and Platypus, um, Pearl Izumi, Shimano and Camelback in the bike industry. So I was really busy with those guys for about 10 years. During that time, I started working as an instructor in the summer for Big City and uh, guiding up on the Canadian Shield with them. And uh, that's when I decided that that's really what I wanted to do. And I sold my interest in the agency and uh, went to work for Big City Mountaineers as a uh, volunteer. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that uh, business venture you had with Rutabaga Paddle Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you make the decision to actually take over that company and buy it? First Sounds- of all, what is where did the name rutabaga come from? Isn't that a root vegetable? <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, the the founder was a huge uh, Frank Zappa fan, and uh, he had he was selling whitewater boats out of his basement in Madison, and uh, he used to play uh, the second side of Frank Zappa's album absolutely free with the amp turned up to eleven, and and the third cut is called Calling All Vegetables. And Frank Zappa screams at the top of his lungs, rutabaga, 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 rutabaga. Well, uh, he tended to piss off his neighbors late at night, and they would call the police and say, there's another party at the rutabaga house. You know, you got to go break this thing up. And so as his business advanced and he sold more and more boats, he formalized the business and called it rutabaga boats. Nice. 
Wow. Yeah, that's pretty similar experience we had with Mountain Meister. But, uh... <laughs> but in fact, when I when I purchased the business and I did it with a friend of mine, uh, Darren Bush, at the time, uh, we were fifty fifty partners. Uh, I bought the vinyl and uh, displayed it in the store because we got that question so often. It's like, where, where did this name come from? And to this day, uh, most people think that it's, uh, it's some kind of health food store. <laughs> what are some of your other passions in the outdoors? Uh, I like to ski. Uh, I do a lot of backcountry skiing and a lot of frontcountry skiing. Uh, competitive sailor. Uh, hmm. I, I, I race laser class. Uh, road cyclist. And uh, in the winter, um, I do all aspects of skiing. I do Alpine, Telemark, and uh, and Nordic. Where do you ski? You're in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, right? Oh, we've got some big hills here. <laughs> yeah, 15 minutes from my house, there's a hill that's got 300 foot of vertical. Nice. And, and so, yeah, Huge. you need oxygen to yeah. get on top of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I lived about a mile from this place called King Pine in mm-hmm. uh, New Hampshire, and I could get top to bottom in 19 seconds. That's about the same here. Great yeah. number, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was, it was pretty good. Skiing. Five minutes up the lift and then 30 seconds down. Exactly. You really get to know the people in the lift. Really well. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's where, the, uh, that's where the, the social aspect of skiing takes place. Ben doesn't even ski. He just lounges. Uh, <laughs> I, I apres ski. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Perfect. I ski. I ski. But anyway, yeah. so you obviously have this great passion for the outdoors and you're now serving on the board of big city mountaineers which is a fantastic organization it helps underprivileged youth explore the outdoors and gain a lot of critical life skills so tell us a little bit more what kind of trips are these uh it depends on the region Uh, we currently do business in portland seattle bay area denver milwaukee madison minneapolis chicago Miami, and then we're due to open in uh, Boston. Wow! Uh, in in two years, we're still trying to fund that that hub. All the all the hubs are alpine oriented, with the exception of the Midwest, which goes to Boundary Waters, and that's that's where I live, so that's where I go. Hmm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the trips. What kind of kids are going on these, and uh, what's kind of the mission of the organization? Um, the kids are what we call under-resourced, which is a politically correct term, and uh, they're urban. Uh, A typical BCM kid has never been away from home uh, for an overnight, uh, has never been out of four or five city blocks, and they are chosen by by the youth agency that we partner with as candidates for this trip, and we take five kids out with five adults, so it's one to one. And the adults aren't necessarily experienced, and in fact, it, it's more effective when they aren't because everybody's everybody's in it together, right? They they do this trip together. The trips are eight days long, uh, two days uh, at a base camp, and then the six days in the field, five nights out. Kids go through the same transformation every time, and and we like to say that what we do is provide a transformational experience and. Uh, what that does is is changes the way they look at life, changes the way they look at each other, and changes the way they view themselves as far as what they can accomplish and what they can't accomplish. Um, the trips are they're rigorous. Uh, they're not easy. Um, I train for them every year because I'm getting older and and I have to. Wow. Uh, otherwise, otherwise I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't survive. <laughs> they they go through the same curve every time. Uh, the first day they're incredibly frightened. Um, they, they're way out of their element. 
the second day, generally one or two of them will come forward and want to jettison the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the answer is, well, you know, you can leave, just don't take a boat with you. <laughs> uh, third day, they're really beat up because generally these kids are in pretty bad physical condition to begin with. Mm-hmm. And this is very challenging for them to do these portages and paddle these boats as far as we're paddling them. Or in the case of the Alpine trips, carrying a pack for an entire day that's fully loaded. Um, fourth and fifth day, they start to take over the trip. So they do the cooking, they do the cleaning, they get the tents up and down, they pack the packs, they unpack the packs, they store the boats, they do all of that stuff. Are they that into it, or is it? Uh, is by that, that our... time, they by that time they are. Wow. Uh, early in the trip, there's no way that would happen. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. And then as uh, as the trip completes, they take over navigation and uh, they're they're taught all of those skills. And so by the end of the trip, it's it's their trip. Wow, it must be pretty incredible and rewarding to see kind of transformation that they go through. I just want to highlight the under resource term that you used before. I saw some statistics. 71% of the participants are from either a single parent family or a guardian led household. Yep. Um, 83% are from families below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. And then I think I saw that 60% are children that haven't even traveled outside of their county. Correct. Wow. What kind of lessons do they really learn on these trips and why are they so applicable to their city life? Well, the big one is teamwork. They're not used to depending on each other. Uh, And in the case of these trips, they have to do a lot of teamwork to get from point A to point B. Uh, The second one and the biggest one is that they've never had a positive adult role model in most cases. And here's, here's a situation where there's five of them and five adults who are volunteers, and they depend on these adults to get them through this trip and to help them learn these new skills. And, and for the first time, they, they have somebody they can look up to. Being in the city the whole time, have they even ever seen stars before? No. Uh, uh-huh. One of the funniest stories uh, that I had from, uh, from my trips is a uh, kid from Racine, uh, which is a pretty rough town in, in Wisconsin. And uh, I got up in the middle of the night to relieve myself, and it was a uh, typical uh, Boundary Waters night, new moon, no clouds, stars were intense. And uh, I just laid down on a rock, and I was watching satellites go by. And he got up to do the same thing, and he came over, and he said, what are you doing? And I just pointed up. <laughs> and he looked up, and at the top of his lungs, he yelled, holy... <laughs> And it echoed through the park, you know, at that night. You could hear it echoing through the park. And I said, Johnny, inside voice, inside voice. And he said, what are those? And I said, those are stars. And he said, we don't have stars in Racine. Uh, that's cool. And I mean, that's where they come from. Or they'll see a moose and they'll say, who feeds it? <laughs> you know, who takes care of it? And it's like, no, you don't get it. This is where they live. They take care of themselves. We're the ones that are visiting. They're not visiting us. And he's just big mind flips like that that take place during every trip. Yeah, it's funny. I have similar mind flips because I grew up literally living on a mountain. Mm-hmm. My dad is a professional mountaineer. I had never seen a city. And so I go into <laughs> the city and I scream, holy, when I right. see these buildings, when I smell the smells, and when I see all these things, I'm just like, where are the stars? <laughs> right. So it's, it's, I mean, obviously for me, 
I was a very privileged child. So this just just be an awesome experience for them. And well, it's a big experience for the adults too. I mean, that's that's the thing that kind of gets lost is there's five adults out there as well. Mm-hmm. They get a lot out of it. And in a lot of cases, a trip I did last summer, there was one adult that had never been on a multi-day trip before. And this was news to him, you know, how you pack, unpack, you know, load, unload, get from point A to point B, all the logistics of traveling through the backcountry. And, uh, you know, this is something he had never done. And he wrote me a letter on the backside saying that he had his own transformative experience. Wow. I've heard of trips who do like a 10 to 1 ratio. How important is that 1 to 1 ratio for these kinds of trips? critical for us. I mean, what we do is wilderness mentoring. We, we don't provide a wilderness experience. So to have a one-to-one ratio, is uh, that's our hallmark. You said you were out for 100 days. So you're going on 12 trips about? Or, yeah, pretty or, much. Wow. So you're meeting 12 different kids and having kind of changing... No, no, 60. 60? Five on each right. trip. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I guess for you... Are you connected to the one person or are you no, really? No. Oh, okay. I got you. No, it's, it's zone defense. <laughs> I like that metaphor. Like well, it. it is zone defense. Yeah. I mean, we paddle with a different kid every day. Kids always in the beginning paddle in the bow and the adults paddle in the stern because they can steer the boats. It's a different kid every day. And what you find is every adult's got a different perspective. And, and they have something to offer. And then there's what BCM calls facilitation at night around the campfire, I would call group therapy. And uh, our instructors are trained in that. And everybody participates. The adults participate and the kids participate. And uh, the things that come out during those sessions are amazing. I mean, uh, last trip, a 19-year-old kid says he's had 17 foster homes. Wow. Wow. Right. I mean, what? How do you how do you get by in life when your when your backdrop's changing almost every year? You know, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah, you're there for such a great mentorship experience for them, but I'm sure you've learned a lot on the way too. Tons, tons. So to kind of take a step back, these sound like pretty expensive trips. How do you guys get funding to be able to do all these? We have a, our own fundraising arm called Summit for Someone. And uh, let's say one of you wanted to climb a classic peak in North America, if it was Rainier or Hood or, or whatever, uh, you could sign on for Summit for Someone. We'd give you a fundraising page uh, on our website that's very automated. Uh, you would be required to raise at least $4,000 in donations. Uh, you would do the trip. We would provide the guide service and all the expense associated with that. And then you get a bunch of free gear to boot. Um, that's donated by manufacturers. Summit for Someone provides us with about $650,000 a year. And and what you'll see from us moving forward is other activities like Cycle for Someone or Paddle for Someone. Hmm. And in fact, we just had the uh, the prototype for Paddle for Someone went off last year and was, was very successful. Are these extreme paddles or is it just uh, kind of, no? No, classics. So uh, this one was up in Maine and then other for paddle for someone, obviously the Baja would be another one that we'd do in Alaska and, you know, classic places to paddle and go. So returning to these big city mountaineer trips, the program's obviously been very successful and you've impacted many, many lives. Are there any stories or experiences from the kids, kind of a transformation over one week that you'd like to highlight? Well, I think the biggest breakthrough I've seen is we had one kid, Juan, uh, who was a Latino, 
do a trip, come back, and be a volunteer when he was old enough. And to me, that's the full cycle. Um, now he's giving back, and now he's doing what what we had hoped he'd do is be a good citizen. You know that that's what we produce is citizens. Uh, it was interesting. I was talking to a donor um, who was very. Some donors are very interested in the marketing aspect of being uh, partnered with us, and others are just generous. This particular one was very interested in the marketing aspect, and they said, "Well, what we want to do is create tomorrow's consumers today." And I just looked at her and I said, "You know, it's not going to happen. Our kids are never going to shop there. They're, they don't have any money. It's not, it's not going to happen." What I hope is that they vote maybe volunteer and, and mm-hmm. do those things. But if you're looking for consumers, you know, the kids are not where you want to be. Now the volunteers on the other hand, that's a pretty ripe audience. Yeah. It is interesting because you have that aspect where these companies are helping out these kids that just like you said, they're not going to be consumers yet. You have so many sponsors and so many huge companies giving so much. Are they also giving you guys gear as well as donations for the trips? Yeah, money and gear. I'm sure the kids need vast amounts of gear, right? They're not prepared for these things at all. They're instructed to show up with a toothbrush and their clothing. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's it. And, and we have uh, equipment libraries that are to die for. Um, Polar Tech provides all of our long underwear and mid-layer. Uh, we have Gore-Tex outer layer for everybody. Wow. Uh, for rain gear. Um, our fleet of boats in uh, northern Minnesota, we have 15 Winona Spirit 2s, which are state-of-the-art. Uh, 40 granite gear packs, hmm. uh, 60 Carlisle paddles, and this equipment is refreshed every year. And the, the, what, some, what some donors are grabbing onto is we're, we're the best testing source they have because our kids just beat the daylights out of this stuff. Yeah, I was going to say. They, they just chew gear up. <laughs> and uh, so I, I was pitching to one of our vendors. I said, you know, you got to have a picture of a BCM kid trip and then say this is the test team for your year. You know, these, <laughs> these guys eat it for a living. That's a metric that you can use, the <laughs> exactly. BCM survival test. Exactly. <laughs> the asks that, that we have are, are, I just recently, just last week, asked one vendor for 300 cans of fuel. I mean, that's just a year's worth. 22 tents, that's just a year's worth. I mean, we need a lot of gear to make this happen because we have mm-hmm. so many points that we do business and we have to have a full library in every in every uh, hub. So being the gear guru that you now are, uh, what would you recommend as a, a good piece of gear for a consumer uh, that's outdoorsy, maybe goes on some hikes? Well, my, my personal favorite piece of gear is a jet boil. <laughs> a what? A jet boil? A jet boil. What yeah. is that? I don't know if I've ever uh, heard it's of a that. Small, it's a small stove that boils a quart of water in about 90 seconds. That's convenient. <laughs> yeah, and you can use it. I make coffee with it every morning, but it, you know, if you get somebody that's hypothermic, you can heat it up for tea or anything like that. It's just a really useful piece of gear. It doesn't take up much room. I, I really enjoy using it. There, there are certain pieces of gear I take with me that BCM doesn't provide, and that's one of them. So let's say some of our listeners wanted to get involved in Big City Mountaineers. You talked about Summit for Someone is a great way uh, to support. What else can they do? You can be a volunteer uh, and go on a trip, which I would highly recommend. And if you want to do either one of those things, you just go into our website, which is bigcitymountaineers.org. It's very robust, and you can uh, you know sign on for whatever you want. You can do local service projects that we do with kids before trips. Uh, we always do a service project right in the uh, area where they're coming from so that they, they have to give something back on the front side of the trip. 
there's a lot of ways to engage with us. Last year's trip, we had an instructor that was gifted, and uh, he was really good at foraging and teaching about uh, edibles in the wild. Um, I mean, I learned a lot on that trip. He was able to start a fire with his bare hands. He Hmm. conducted a facilitation every night very skillfully. And I went to the board meeting after that trip and said, you know, for me, I'm interested in quality, not quantity. In other words, I'd be more interested in growing the quality of this organization and making a bigger impact per kid than having more throughput and bragging to a vendor that yeah. we served another thousand kids or whatever. Right. It is. Definitely. So yeah, I, I board members are very influential with uh, with BCM, and that's not usual for boards that I've served on, but in this case, it is. Yeah, what you said there, you have these really skilled people come on these trips, and I'm sure that that's a huge element and very influential for these kids, too, is being able to see what else is out there, what kind of skills people have. I mean, they've only really been exposed to one culture for their whole lives, and to be able to see what else is out there has got to be really important for them. It is, and and now and then, one of them will, the light will go on, and that kid will say, you know what, this is what I want to do. I want to be a guide. I want to lead trips. This is what I want to do. And we have a partnership with Outdoor Educators International, which is in uh, California, which has budgets. So if a kid wants to get a WFR, a wilderness first responder, or if he wants to go to a Knowles course and pick up hard skills, or if he wants to go on an outward bound course and do a 30-day excursion, we can provide the horsepower for that. And we do. Yeah, it sounds like you're pretty busy guy with all these different things. Are there any other ways that anyone could help out other than the Summit for Someone program that you have? Yeah, just write a check. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Should we send that directly to you or? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Payable to Jeff Weedman. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. Perfect. Um, Well, we'll definitely have all the resources for our listeners uh, on our website, mtnmeister.com, ways that they can help out Big City Mountaineers. It's a fantastic program. Really cool to see all the things that you're doing. Yeah, I can't wait for the trip to come to Boston. I'm signing up, definitely. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Yep, you're welcome. It's great meeting you guys. Meister fans, hope you enjoyed that episode with Jeff Weedman. Join us next time when we have Matt Paul on the show. Matt's going to talk to us about skiing the tallest mountain in North America. And Meister fans, Ben and I are personally trying to set a goal of 50 reviews by the end of this week. This being the last episode of the week, if you could go to iTunes and give us a review, we could get one step closer to that goal and help us get as much exposure as possible for the Mountain Meister podcast. Another way you can help is if you just subscribe to our podcast and listen to us every day. So thanks, and we'll catch you next time.